So um, what an exciting book this is. And last night we, we decided to stay home to watch online and I just didn't want to miss Rob teaching this message because I knew that he would, uh, as he always does, just be excellent. Such a good student he is, such a great teacher he is. And uh, I loved it. And then at the end, they have a, uh, the focus groups like we have. And the three pastors, Aaron and Tyler and Rob, went in this back room and they talked about it. And that was the follow-up to the message. So you must, you must um, watch that message. In fact, last night I felt like calling, could you show that this morning? Because, quite frankly, who can do justice to this uh, amazing chapter? If you would turn to First Thessalonians chapter um, 4 and 5. And Rob did back up the truck a little bit because it is a package, it is a letter. And um, the, the things that are stated here are life-changing. Um, as I was thinking about this, I, I did remember that uh, in the, the second chapter, Paul had said that he had longed. He said that he so affectionately longed for them that uh, he wanted to come and see them face to face. That was his first uh, purpose. He wanted to come himself. But it says Satan hindered him. Interesting, whatever that means. Satan hindered him, and he couldn't. And um, as I was studying and just uh, delving into this, I thought, well, Satan, you know, he, he, he thinks he's so smart, but he shot himself in the foot. Because if Paul had come and delivered this message about the rapture, about eternity, about the hope that we have, that this world is not, not just it, then they would have gotten it, but we would not have gotten this. So if you are in a situation where you feel like Satan is just opposing you, he's, he's pushing you back, you just wait. God wins in the end. Who wants to say amen to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I turned back to Acts 16, that the whole reason that he was not lingering in Philippi, uh, it was because God, um, God had allowed persecution to come and this big jailhouse break that they had, and they had to move on to Thessalonica. Again, Satan shooting himself in the foot and sending them to Thessalonica to, to, um, to start this church, and it was all launched by Paul seeing a vision of a man saying, come over to help us. I turned back to that passage again to read it as I prepared this week, and what it says next is immediately, immediately, they just marched on. They marched on and responded to that call. And such a time as this in our society, in our time of history, that we must answer the call to be faithful. I thought back when I was 
um, lost, so lost, in the 1960s. Uh, there was the Vietnam War. I think I've shared this with you before. Life was a wreck. People, kids were dropping out of college. I dropped out of college. I traveled all over um, just trying to find my way. What is the meaning of life? And at the end of two years of being very, very lost, I was in the, uh, on a beach in Mexico, looked up, saw this incredible sunset, set, called out and said, God, I don't know you, but I know you're real. And then I went back to the States. A high school friend saw me at a wedding. She walked right across the uh, hall that we were in at this wedding. And she said, Debbie, point blank. She said, she didn't say, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing, Debbie? She didn't do that. She walked straight across the hall and said, Debbie, you're looking for Jesus. And that was a divine appointment. God put it on her heart. She must have seen that despaired look on my face, empty, lost, lonely, without God. She said, Debbie, you're looking for Jesus. And I made her feel stupid. I said, oh, yeah, really? Sure. A week later, I came to Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we must be ready with this wonderful gospel. We don't want to... Anybody to miss this, do we? We don't. So let's, if, I know you have your Bibles open. And verse chapter 5 starts out verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. And those are, those are really, really poignant words, meaning they're unexpected. We don't never prepare for a thief to come to our house. Never do we prepare for such a thing. Rob shared not, last night in this message, their house has been robbed twice. And, and the thieves did not knock on the door. They didn't call ahead. They didn't make an appointment come quickly. I think as, as I look around this world, how many people are not prepared. They do not know the love of Christ. We, I booked a cruise for us uh, a couple months ago, and we went at the beginning of this month. And um, cruises, I had heard about these crazy cruises that are so cheap, last-minute cruises. And it turned out it was about as cheap as living in a... Um, Hotel Six in Barstow, and eating at McDonald's for seven days, this cruise. Um, so once I booked it, as the day got near, I, I, I just packed like crazy. I mean, I think I packed every piece of clothes I have. I, I, I don't know what you wear on cruises, if you're supposed to look fancy, if you're supposed to be comfortable. So I had three huge suitcases, honest. And then I got nervous. When you miss a plane, you can book another plane. But, you know, once that boat leaves the shore, that's it. That's totally it. And so uh, one thing I did do, that, and you know what? I wore like four things out of that suitcase. I really honestly did. I wore my tennis shoes and my comfortable clothes. I didn't care what anybody looked, thought I looked like. And, um, but one thing I did pack 
<clears throat> I packed tracks. <clears throat> and I packed about 50 of these. And I've shared these with you before. Jeremiah 29.11 invites people to know their God. Jeremiah 29.11, I know the plans that I have for you. And this is God's plan. In a moment, in the twinkling of, of an eye, at the last trump, God will call his people home. And it's just burning on my heart right now how lost people are and how they need the gospel. So I, I packed a bunch of these. I packed tracks. And, you know, the people that work on those cruises, <clears throat> there were people from all over the world. They hire. Now, I, I didn't pick, I didn't meet one staff person that's from the United States. So there were people from all over the world. And, and those cruisers that were sitting at breakfast time with, with us or lunch or dinner uh, were also from all over the world. What a great opportunity. So I don't want you to be ignorant For when they say, peace, peace, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in the darkness, so that this day should take you as a thief. You're not. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. You're not of the night, you nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. Let us not sleep as others do. And those who get drunk and are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. As I read these words, let us, who are saved, who know the Savior, let's not be sleeping on the job. Watchmen, it says, what of the night? We are to be watchmen of the wall, on the wall, shouting this wonderful good news for us as believers that the Lord is coming back. Oh, this wonderful thing that's told us in chapter 4. For if we believe that Jesus rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself. For the Lord himself. He will come personally himself, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I have recently, over the last couple months, um, as, as you know, I've spoken oftentimes about reading your Bible with your pen in your hand. And I do have a coloring system. I use a yellow marker to mark the names of God. 
And over the last few months, just the, the tenderness of God's love for us and the fact that I do believe that we will see him soon and this very way that he uses the personal pronoun himself has caused me to take my pen and when I read his name or when I read him with a capital H, when I see those pronouns that refer to him, I circle them. It's like I just want that closeness. I want that warmth and that connection with him. I have a friend who's a pastor's wife in, um, in Nevada, in fact, in a, in a city very close to Las Vegas, and she's raised children in that city. Can you imagine raising children in that atmosphere, a place where it's called Sin City? Yes, that's where we live in raising our family. And uh, she's a remarkable, she's a remarkable godly woman. And uh, recently she's been sharing some stories about her, I believe he's 19-year-old son. His name is Daniel. And the Lord has just captured him like Daniel in the Bible, um, just on fire. And um, as we know, Timothy is the one that brought this letter, this young man, Timothy, that, that Paul noticed in his life. Here's a young man, I think. He's right for the, for the mission field because he's on fire for God. And this young man, Daniel, he is, he's gone. I called my friend a couple days ago, and I shared with her she has wristbands, too, that she's starting to use. And I called her and told her about some, a divine appointment that I had. And she said, yep, my son's at, at McDonald's right now. Witnessing for Christ, <laughs> just hangs around the door, I guess, and shares Christ. And I went, uh, she sent me a little video clap, clip of something he's done recently on TikTok, and I just wanted to share it with you because um, I just loved the fire that I see in this young man's life. So, Jin Seal's going to show that. What way. does pursuing Jesus look like? This is a question that Christian leadership gets asked all the time, but the truth is you already know the answer to this question. It looks just the same as how you've pursued any other relationship in your life. It manifests itself in this utmost effort to do things, to bring yourself in contact with them, to start conversations with them, to have things to talk about. All of a sudden they tell you that they like a certain TV show and you're sitting there on your couch at two in the morning watching this TV show that you never had any desire to watch because you know that you'll be able to talk to them about it the next day. And so you're doing these just specific things so that you can talk to them and have common ground and spend time with them. Now imagine if this person who you're trying your hardest to pursue a relationship with tells you that they wrote a book. And in this book, it's going to tell you all about them and their history. It's going to tell you what they love and what they hate. It's going to tell you everything that they want to talk to you about.
you would go and you would read this book so quickly and you wouldn't concern yourself with any other distraction. You would stay up till two in the morning reading this book so that you can continue to talk to this person and spend time with them. This is the same thing as what the Bible is. It's our opportunity to learn about him so that we can talk to him and spend more time with him better. We are to seek him with all of our hearts. What does pursuing... Yay! Yay! And that's what this letter really stirs us up to, to um, really know that uh, life is short and eternity is really long. I, I looked back at, at verse uh, uh, chapter 2 again, and I thought of, of Paul's relationship with these people and um, the heart that he had for him and the heart that he had for the gospel and for sharing the gospel. And as he said, he just wanted to see their faces. And he said, he, he spoke of them um, so earnestly that they were the treasure of his life. And again, that's what we see in Jesus. You know, he came so far and he invested his life in these 12 ordinary men that then he launched 11 of them and turn the world upside down. And um, I'm not dealing with the, the technical end of this beautiful chapter because, again, I, I'm, I, with all of my heart, I'm going to ask you to listen to Rob's message because he just goes through the letter and the, and the prophecy and just all the technical end. It's just so rich and deep. And I feel like what God wants to do to us is stir us up to be ready to share the gospel, to look at people and say, I want you to be in heaven too. I'm thinking of my, my family that don't know the Lord. And um, during, during um, the beginning of COVID, I was in Paris, Texas, some of you know that that's where Jason and Chrissy were and started a church up there. And then they turned it over to uh, Rebecca and Phil McKay. And now another couple are there. And so I went up right at the beginning of COVID. And, and um, I found that many of the girls were preparing rapture kits. Do you know what that is? A rapture kit is they were making little Ziploc bags of gospel tracts, gospel of John, and writing letters to their moms or to their brothers or to their neighbors, that when they were raptured, then there'd be a whole house full of stuff. And, of course, their family would have to go through the stuff, and they would see a rapture kid. <laughs> and um, actually, my, my nephew uh, went to school in Berkeley, and he was going through a very tough time and moved a lot. And I gave him one of the left-behind books. And I said, for the rest of your life, whenever you move, pack this book. Because if I ever disappear, then you need to read 
what happens? So I think it is this, this, this very statement of all that, that is coming. And I believe soon. Who believes soon? Who votes soon? <laughs> Absolutely. I believe that we need to be ready. We need to think about those people that will not, um, will not go with this, um, this wonderful event. Um, when I was saved in the 1960s, there was a, uh, a man named Larry Norman, and he wrote a song, I Wish We All Were Ready. And two men were walking on a hill. One was taken. The other was standing still. He sings, I wish we all were ready. So as we read on, for those who sleep, sleep in the night, and those who get drunk are drunk in the night. But we are not of, we, but let us who are of the day be sober and put on the breastplate of, of, of faith and love and the help of salvation. And that really stirred me to look back at Matthew 25. Matthew 25 starts with the explanation of these, these virgins that were, were going to a wedding and they each had lamps. And some of them took oil in their lamps and some of them forgot. And when the, when the bridegroom delayed, then those that had forgotten the oil couldn't light their lamps and proceed. And it's such a statement to us that during these times and these urgent times, we must be filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. We must be hungry for the word of God. We must not close our Bibles now that Bible study is, is um, over. We must be about his business. In that chapter, he talks about the good, good, um, good servants that God gave gave talents. He gave one ten and, and one, I think, five and one two. And some of them were faithful. And some of them weren't. The last servant, he took his talent and he buried it. He just buried it. He said, well, I don't have much, so I just want to bury it. And maybe that feels like you. You feel like, well, I'm just me. What do I have? You've got Jesus. And you just pray for a divine appointment. God, let me see the checker at the grocery store. Does she look sad today? Can't I just tell her that Jesus loves her? Absolutely you can. And then he talks about that he'll separate the sheep from the goat in in Matthew 25. And the, the bottom line of that story, he says... And when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was lonely, you took me in. And, 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 the, and the servant says, well, when did I do that, Jesus? And Jesus will say, when you did it to the least of them, you did it to me. These are the times where very many people in our world 
are lonely and fearful and needy in many ways. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, women, you do it best. You do it best. We are the sweetness of this world. We are the kindness. We are the sympathizers. We are the lovers of children. We are, aren't we, sometimes the first to notice someone who's low? And what the Lord wants to say to us as we close this chapter, this wonderful chapter, is fire it up. We shouldn't be sleeping on the job. We're to be more awake than ever. So God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as you also are doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Ah, we are so blessed with people in this church. We are so blessed. If you have children in children's ministry, when was the last time you walked into their office, in Kathy and Sherry's office, and just said, you girls are rock stars. You girls are rock stars. Sometimes I'm the assistant in the three-year-old's class. And I'm telling you, I feel like I'm, I, I, I'm working under the best-run organization I've ever worked under. I mean, it's just perfect. And our pastors here, they're incredible. And the girls who work in the office, they're such a blessing. It's an honor to serve in a church like this. And you know what? Sometimes we can take it for granted. I've been around the world in many churches, and I'm telling you, the Lord has blessed us here. Who wants to say amen with that? Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who were unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil, but always pursue that which is good for yourselves and with all. And I like that. Sometimes we pursue what's good for us, but he wants us to enlarge our borders, pursuing what is good for others. Rejoice always. And there's so much to be negative about in this world, so much to be discouraged about. But you know what? We need to find every day something to rejoice. I rejoice because God's on the throne. No matter who's in the White House, God's on the throne. I can say yay because he wins, absolutely. Don't quench the spirit. And again, this is a good shout out for us. Don't grieve the spirit, but don't quench it. And Kathy Boyer shares a very important insight. She looked this up. What does it mean? It means to ignore the spirit, to ignore those promptings 
when God's tugging on your heart to write an email of encouragement or to send $5 to a missionary or just to walk up to a stranger and hand him a track like the four spiritual laws, Gospels of John, give him a wristband, which I have a whole box of those things in the hall. That was my prompting to not quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Every form of evil. If there's a trashy movie in your house, don't give it to goodwill. No. Trash it. Trash it. We started to watch a movie the other day. I'm... It's, it looked perfectly innocent for the first three minutes, and boy, it went south. It was off our screen. It was off our screen. No compromise. It's, it's just bad business. Sanctify, now may the God of peace himself, circled that pronoun, himself, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. We don't want to be ashamed at his coming. No. He who calls you, he who calls you is faithful, whom will also do it. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. And grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What a book this is. And I just want to say revival is coming. If you haven't seen the Jesus revolution, put it on your list. They just translated it, the book, into Russian. Yes, and um, if you want the supplement to that movie, it's called um, A Venture of Faith. Please write that down. A Venture of Faith. And that's the documentary. Jesus' Revolution is just a movie. They're not quite accurate in every detail, but Venture of Faith is the documentary. So hold up our hands with me if you would. How then can we live? How then should we live? Lord, we pray as we stand before you, as we sit before you today, that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Put fire and the love for those around us a passion to tell them the story of you like never before, God, because we feel like the very words on these pages we will see in our lifetime. Come quickly, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.